This is episode number 168 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, it's Jessie and I have a quick announcement coming at you before getting into today's show. I am so excited because my brand new program, Ready Get Set, is now open for enrollment. Ready Get Set is an eight-week postpartum running plan that will help lead you to powerful, fast, leak-free running after pregnancy. Whether it's been months or years since you ran or this is the very first time you're taking to running, this is for you. Now, this is not your traditional running plan. This is not a couch to 5K situation and we are not training for a race or trying to run the furthest distance. Ready Get Set is a postnatal running program for busy moms and parents that you'll complete in less than one hour per week. There are two runs per week. They are between 13 to 26 minutes in length. Each workout with the warm-up and cool-down exercises will take you less than half an hour, and they will challenge the heck out of you. Two program options are available for you to choose, all the details of which are on the enrollment form, but a sneak peek One of those options is solely the running program for you, and the other option will give you access to coaching with me, supplemental strength training work, and the ability to start this eight weeks together as a group on April 5th, and that will include weekly live group runs every Sunday for those eight weeks led by me. Y'all, this is going to be so fun. You know I'll be complaining the entire time, but I can't wait to do this alongside you as a group so we can help keep each other engaged through this process. Head over to the link in the show notes to get started. Enrollment will close on Sunday, April 4th. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell and Anita Lambert. Today, we are talking about 10 guidelines for returning to postpartum running. And what we want to give you are these guidelines so you know and you feel that you're ready to run post-pregnancy. So a really common question that Anita and I both get from our clients and patients are, how do I know if I'm ready to start running again after pregnancy or after birth, or if I can get into running for the very first time, or I used to be a runner, then I got pregnant, it didn't feel good. And now it's been a year, two years, three years, and I want to get back to it. So hopefully these guidelines can give you a bit of food for thought in knowing your own self thinking about your own body, and then moving forward when it is time for you to start running if that is where you want to go to. And of course, we'll say before we get into this, 
these are the 10 guidelines we're going to give you. There are many more that we could, and there are some that are going to be so specific to your body only that we might not have included on this list. So again, use this as a general guide for yourself. Um, but we feel like these are some solid ones for most people to give you an idea if going into running, which is a high impact, high load type of workout and exercise will be appropriate at this time. So number one, you need to have, or you'll want to have medical, your medical provider clear you for returning to exercise postpartum. So often this will occur around the six week postpartum mark for people. They'll go to their postpartum checkup and their medical provider will say, yes, go ahead. Things are looking good. Go ahead and get back into exercise. And we have talked about this on the podcast many times before about how this is viewed as really the gold standard of knowing when you're ready to return to exercise. And of course we have some critiques of it, but we do want you to have some basis of clearance from a medical provider saying, yes, things look okay, go ahead. What we will say though, is that we recommend when accessible is to have a further assessment done by a pelvic health physiotherapist like Anita is. If that is possible for you in getting back to exercise and running specifically, that would be wonderful. And Anita, maybe you can just talk a little bit about the difference between what that six-week checkup might be like and then what your assessment might be like. Mm -hmm. So with your care provider, there's quite a few things that they're going to want to check on, ask questions about uh, mental health, physical health. Um, and then a lot of it too is about the baby. There's the, It's not just you. They're going to be asking about the baby as well at six weeks. So something that I do highly recommend, whether you can see a physio or not, is ask your care provider to assess your pelvic floor. Now, it will look different. Um with a care provider checking, they may do more of like a general check, just checking to see if the vaginal area is healed. And this is regardless of whether you've had tearing, episiotomy or none. I do highly recommend because they can generally assess strength or if there's pain, uh, if they're checking internally and even just checking that things again, if you do have stitches or healing well, it can also be helpful if you've had a cesarean birth to have your pelvic floor check. We'll be talking about that too, that with having a cesarean birth, the pelvic floor can still be impacted. So having them do a check of the pelvic floor, and if you've had a cesarean birth, having them check your scar. I think a lot of people go into this six-week appointment assuming all of this is going to be checked, but it isn't necessarily checked. It's going to depend on your care provider and the time. So I just always tell people go into it and ask that you do want them to check these things because it's going to give you more information for returning to exercise, including running postpartum. And I'd say too that, uh, at least here where I am, a lot of care providers do recommend pelvic health physio and do tell their patients that at their six week, they are giving them the go ahead medically to return to exercise. But if they really want individual specific guidance to get back to different activities that seen in public health physio could be quite beneficial to guide them 
back to their goals, which is so appreciated. And I know the patients really appreciate that postpartum. And as a physio, I appreciate that too, because for people to hear that it's an option is fantastic. So compared, uh, so like a pelvic health physio assessment at six weeks um, is more detailed uh, specifically around the pelvic floor and core, but even exercise compared to often with most care providers at six weeks. So now, depending if you saw a physio earlier postpartum, and for me, typically I'll see people as early as four weeks. Um, so it'll be at that session or at six weeks, we'll be going through their birth experience, what support they're getting physically, mentally, emotionally. We'll go through how peeing is going, how bowel movements are going, if they're having pain or pelvic floor symptoms like leaking pee, stool, or gas, having constipation, pelvic floor heaviness, different types of pain, so like pelvic pain or back pain, and pain anywhere in the body really. And then we start going through strategies within that appointment for daily tasks if they're symptomatic. So let's say if lifting the baby, they're getting pelvic pain. Well, we're in that moment going to go through and watch how that how my client is picking up the baby. Could there be other strategies they could use that make it less symptomatic. So changing symptoms in the moment is quite helpful in that six-week appointment. We will also look at diastasis recti, which at six weeks postpartum, there's still lots of healing happening in the area. And I always go through up-to-date information with clients so that they're aware because there is so much out there on the internet about it. So just so that they're aware, but at six weeks, it can be helpful just to get an idea where they're at. And then in terms of assessing the pelvic floor, we will assess it uh, lying down. So with the client on their back and depending on their symptoms, it could be helpful to also assess their pelvic floor and standing. And for getting back to running, assessing and standing at some point is actually quite helpful because we know the pelvic floor may work a little differently against gravity versus lying on your back. And when it comes to running, all of that is vertical. So it can be helpful to get an idea how things are working standing up. So we'll be looking at the pelvic floor, like the outer layer, the inner layer of the muscles, if there's pain in any of these areas, muscle tension, if there was a vaginal scar or a cesarean scar, we're also going to see around tension or pain in those areas. Looking at pelvic floor strength, coordination, endurance, uh, and position of the pelvic organs as well. So as you can tell, it is it is more of a detailed assessment. And again, I find clients find it helpful because it really gives them information of how their body is doing postpartum and relating anything we're finding to potentially symptoms they're experiencing. So they feel like they're in a bit more control of their recovery. And then we go over recommendations for strategies as well as things they can do at home for exercise. Um, but again, keeping it realistic to postpartum, uh, Jess and I haven't gone through that twice. We know what realistic is. So I don't like to overwhelm clients with exercises. So they're always very targeted towards their goals, whether it's getting back to daily tasks without leaking, or if your future goal is to get back to running five or 10 K without pain or pelvic floor symptoms, the exercises, the rehab, and our sessions are always going to be targeted towards that. So 
Hopefully that's helpful in giving you an idea of the difference between potentially what your six-week appointment with your care provider may look like when it comes to checking the pelvic floor versus what it could look like with a pelvic health physio. Yeah, that's super helpful. So in this, we were just talking about that six-week checkup, but we want to give you maybe perhaps something different to think about in returning to running type exercise. So guideline number two, for my clients, I generally recommend starting back into postpartum running after the 12 weeks or three months postpartum timeline. And this is really to ensure ample time for tissue healing and nervous system support. And of course, this is again, a general guideline for some people, they'll be able to return to running just fine before that 12 weeks. And for other people, it's going to take really much longer before running feels okay on their body. And again, before their nervous system can really support that type of exercise. But again, I think it's just a good ballpark, 12 weeks, three months postpartum. Let's see how you are doing really in your life, I think is probably the biggest factor. And I think this is part of the return to running conversation that doesn't happen as much is really just thinking about what your life and what is even happening in your world at three months postpartum that is still so early. Um, So while your body might be healing really well, you might be sleeping in like one hour increments at that time. Some people might be sleeping through the night at that time. So we just we don't know. So get out of that fourth trimester. And then let's see where we're at from there. What do you say to your people? Yeah, I usually say three months is typically the earliest and it is to do a lot with tissue healing, but also during those three months, building up your like, yes, pelvic floor and core healing strength, mobility, um, but also general strength and balance. I find a lot of clients are really surprised how much their balance has changed postpartum. And when you think about running, it is a very, like you're always landing on one foot the whole time, right? So if your balance is off just standing or just jumping on one foot, think about when you're running and trying to propel yourself forward and repeatedly doing that. We want to prepare the body in so many other ways first. So when you do get back to it, you actually feel your best versus getting back to it too soon and just kind of pushing through it, not feeling comfortable. So I find Typically for my clients, three months will be the earliest um, that they'll get back to it. But they they feel it's interesting. I have a lot of clients say they actually feel better running postpartum than they did pre-pregnancy because of all the work that they did to retrain, re-strengthen mobility and balance work before getting back to it. Yeah, that's so interesting. I love that. The third guideline we'll give you is that your post-pregnancy or post-birth lochia has ended and does not return with your return or your increase in running or any other activities. So that bleeding that will happen vaginally after birth, that is ended and does not return with this increase in activity because this is something that happens over and over again for my clients who are say in that six, 
seven week postpartum mark return to exercise, maybe a bit too fast out of the gates. And then that bleeding will ramp back up for them. And it can be frustrating and a bit alarming. So again, it can just be a sign that maybe it was a bit too much too soon, maybe a bit too much stress on the body, and we need to just bring it down a notch from there. And the fourth guideline that I tend to give my people is that we want to be sleeping six to seven plus hours in a 24-hour period. So this doesn't mean six to seven hours uninterrupted at night, although that would be wonderful. Yes, please try to do that if you're able to in some way. But no, if you're getting some solid chunks of sleep throughout the night, and then maybe a nap in through the day as well, too, that might be enough to support you. And of course, everyone is going to be different here. But I would say six to seven plus hours in a 24 hour period will be will be at the minimum end of what you want to be having for sleep. And this is so important with how your body will actually feel and perform during the running, but then how you're able to recover from that load and that stress of the exercise itself too. Number five, we want running to feel supportive for your mental health. So if you are feeling like you have to do it, you're forcing yourself into it, you feel guilty if you miss the run you're planning to do or you're modifying, taking the intensity of that run down and then you're feeling really crappy about having to do that, that might be a sign that maybe running actually isn't feeling that great and supportive and helping you along in your mental well-being at this time. And again, that doesn't mean that we can't do any running right now, but we might just have to look at your mindset around running to really determine what the purpose and intention of this is for right now. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. And even because I do find I talk about that with clients too. And when, when you kind of dive deeper into why someone wants to run, sometimes they don't actually necessarily want to do it. They're just like, well, it's easy. I can get out the door. All I need is running shoes. Um, so then to know maybe it's more that you want different options of that same feeling of when you run. So you can run when you can. And then other times you could do other activities. And if it's the impact you want, there's other ways to get to do impact type exercise as well. Number six, I like to word this as your core strength is gaining over time. Because I know that we see some other guidelines for postpartum running that say you need to be able to hold a plank for one minute, or you need to be able to do this many crunches and sit-ups or some other like metric of a core exercise. And that's really just not going to apply to all the different types of postpartum bodies and the shapes, sizes, and abilities of postpartum bodies. So again, this is most useful when we are working with clients and patients and we can have conversations about how they're feeling within their core and pelvic floor strength and function. But for you in your body, do you feel like you are noticing 
differences or improvements in your core strength over time. So over a period of weeks or months, you're feeling maybe different or better in how your body is functioning. Yeah. And I think with this too, is even sometimes a way to look at core strength is even progressing different exercises over time and then generally feeling stronger with that is a great sign of that you are kind of seeing that increase in strength as well. And related number seven, your diastasis, diastasis recti is experiencing more healing over time or is feeling more supported over time and is feeling supported during running. Because again, we just can't say that your diastasis needs to be no more than three fingers wide or you need to have and be able to have really good density and build really nice tension through the whole abdominal wall before you start running. It just really doesn't work this way for most people. And Anita and I both like to work really in a try and test type coaching model. So let's see how it goes with your diastasis like this in your running And we'll just watch it and we'll see how you perform and how you feel. And then we'll continue to adjust the strategy where we need to moving forward. And the same thing goes for number eight. Urinary or your fecal incontinence is feeling well-managed or is feeling supported during the running. This tends to be an area of confusion for my clients, Anita. I don't know if it's similar for you, but they might be having some stress urinary incontinence during their regular daily life. So then they're feeling very scared and nervous and like they shouldn't be going running or shouldn't be doing really any exercise because they feel like it's a sign that something is going badly or is wrong and they're afraid they're going to perhaps create some harm by doing the exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree that that's often uh, what people feel with it. And so what I'll end up doing with clients is again, testing, because we want to test out like the impact and the running. And can we tweak the strategy that someone is using and they may feel a difference right away. So they may not actually have leaking with running. So I find there's with this, there's so many different factors of, you know, someone's actual like pelvic floor strength, but then also bringing it into movement. And then the specific strategies for running, seeing kind of how all of those combined as well as general strength and balance and mobility that someone could be back to running and not leaking, but maybe in other instances, they are having those symptoms. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that hopefully feels reassuring for people who are dealing with some incontinence to know that you might not have any issues whatsoever during the running. So again, we like a try and test type approach to all of the things, including running. And number nine related to that, if you're experiencing or if you have pelvic organ prolapse, your symptoms are feeling well managed, you're feeling well supported during the running itself. So related to other type of pelvic floor symptoms that you might be having, you might feel just fine 
with your prolapse during and after the running. And there might be other activities during your daily life that don't feel as great with your prolapse on your pelvic floor. So don't allow the prolapse to be a reason why you don't try the running if that's the thing that you want to try. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, there's so many strategies um, of what may help someone feel supported during it as well. For some people, a pessary is great to help them feel supported. For other people, it could be, you know, whether it's doing certain exercises before they go for a run and that actually helps them or after they go for a run. But again, similar to the incontinence, I think a lot of people are surprised, like once they learn specific strategies for when they're running, they do feel more supported in terms of prolapse or incontinence or urgency as well. And lastly, number 10, like Anita was talking about previously with that saying that we want people to at least get out of the 12 weeks or three months postpartum mark because there can be a lot of prehab or stuff to do before we get back to that type of load of running. So what I say for my fitness coaching clients is that we want to have been walking or taking leisurely walks for at least four plus weeks before going into running. And we want to have been doing some type of strength training or core rehab consistently for four plus weeks prior. And I mean, one to three times a week of maybe some structured or intentional strength training or core pelvic floor work. So at least four weeks of that stuff before we get into really testing out some running. And again, if you just think about that three month postpartum mark, starting that at maybe the eight week or two month postpartum mark, that tends to be a point where my clients are feeling like they want to get back into some more regular exercise. Um, And again, it can just be a nice way to help prepare the body for the stress and the load that will come from the running exercise. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And as well to to mention, um, especially if you're listening to this, and this is really new in terms of like, uh, public floor and core rehab, when Jess talks about four weeks of doing like core rehab, it's not about doing Kegels on your back for four weeks, and then going for a run, because that won't necessarily translate, there's, there's quite a bit more to it in terms of bringing the core and pelvic floor into other strength training. And then again, we keep talking about like, there's strategies for when you do return to running for your actual running like technique that could be quite helpful for your pelvic floor as well. And what we want to also leave you with is just remember as you go into returning to running or running for the first time that this doesn't have to be training for a 5k or a race. It can really just be running, sprinting, jogging, whatever you want it to look like. It can be very short bursts of running. It can be building up to longer, steadier state. It can stay as those short bursts of sprinting or running work forever. It doesn't have to be that because you decided you want to return to running or start running that now you have to do a half marathon. Running can just look a whole bunch of different ways for you. So just give yourself a lot of space in the mindset you have around what running quote unquote should look like. 
And one last thing that we recommend to our people as you do return to or get into running is that if you can keep up with some strength and mobility work around the running or into that weekly schedule with your running, that might help you to stay feeling really well physically in the body. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 